Welcome to The Dirt on the Past, a program of the Extreme History Project that explores the good, the bad, and the ugly about our human past. Because, let's face it, Crystal. Yep, history very often isn't pretty, but it is so important to know. Because it is the very thing that has led us to the most critical concerns that we have in the present. Join me, Nancy Mahoney, and me, Crystal Alegria, as we talk to archaeologists and historians who've been digging in the dirt and in the archives to uncover the fascinating histories that are not only relevant to today's issues, but which help us better understand how to address them. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the show. I'm Nancy. And I'm Crystal. And we are co-hosts of The Dirt on the Past. This week, we are at the Extreme History Offices, speaking in person with Francesca Pine Rodriguez about Yellowstone Revealed, a series of indigenous-led public artworks and interactive experiences in Yellowstone Park. We're excited to talk with Francesca, but first, as usual, Crystal, let's check in. How was your week or your month? It's been a while <laughs> since we've done this. Yeah, it has been a little little bit of time, so there's been a lot that has happened, but the most recent and what's most in my mind right now is we did an event called History After Dark, yes. and so we did that a week ago, and it's a great event that we do. We haven't done it for a couple of years, but it's a great event that we do. Um, in October usually, and we bring the characters of Bozeman's history to life. And so, so fun. We had 13 characters this year, which, Fantastic. Was, which was a lot. Yeah. yeah, which was a lot. And so it's a one night only kind of situation and people walk around and talk to uh, John Bozeman, Nelson Story, Rosa Beale, all the characters. So just who's ever history. out on the street downtown on that Friday night, Saturday yep. night, Friday people night? get tickets mm-hmm. and they come and they get a map to where everybody's standing and they get to walk around and talk to them. And then, of course, um, all the people that are just downtown, you know, doing their thing are like, why are all these people in costume walking around downtown Bozeman? <laughs> Yeah, my husband was (laughs) scrolling through Instagram, and there's an Ask Bozeman page, and somebody typed in, we're laying there on our couch at home, and somebody typed in, what's with all the old-timey people walking around downtown? And he looked at me, and we're like, oh, yeah, history after dark. So, so it was good. You got a lot of, you know, yeah. curious people interested. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a f- a future fun. member of the event for yes. next year. Yeah. So we had, it was great. So that, that has taken a lot of our time, but it's always such a good event. So 13 to be doing people. Who did you have? People that I know? Yeah. Lots of people, you know, lots of, um, you know, we had historic characters that kind of were, ran the gamut from, you know, our capitalists like Nelson Story mm-hmm. to our madams like Libby Hayes and yeah. and our um, townspeople like Rosa Beale, who, who was here right from the get-go of the start of Bozeman. So um, we had Andrew Garcia, who's, who is played by my husband, Larry. So, <laughs> so, Fantastic. Uh, so yeah, it was just great. But um, yeah, and then we had Walter Cooper, who was played by Alex Newby, who is a Love member Alex. of Mountain Time Arts yeah. as well, and then also um, does our walking tours for us in the summer. So, so yeah, so it, we had a lot of different people who were here um, playing different characters, and, uh, and so it was great. But Nancy, what about you? What's been going yeah. on with you this, well, this last a, month? Well, a lot's been going on. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned Alex Newby because uh, I think all three of us have our own 
relationships with him. He was just at our house last night. We were doing a photo shoot for oh, Alloy, our good. men's store that opened up around the corner from Mocha. We had a big grand opening, and Alex has been coming in, and he loves the clothes. And, of course, he has um, such a, you know, with his mustache and yeah. beard and, and uh, everything, he, he has such a nice presence that Lauren – my manager there had asked him to come to the photo shoot. So he showed up and modeled for us along with several other people out at our property last night. So that was really fun. Good. Yes. I'm so glad to hear that. So that went well, and that store is up and running, which is really great. Good. Um, But really, some shared news we have, Crystal, is that our sons are moving in together, and they're going to be roommates. (laughs) (laughs) This is nothing that either... Of us could have foreseen. Never. And let's just say, I mean, if doing a podcast together isn't enough to test a friendship, let's hope (laughs) that having our sons move in together, together, that neither one of them is sort of icky enough that the other one doesn't get upset. I'm sure we'll hear about it. I told Lawson, I said, Lawson, you're going to have to always do your dishes. (laughs) (laughs) Aiden will make sure he does. Aiden is... um, very neat in the common area, the common spaces yeah. and the bathroom, but you can barely open the door to his room. <laughs> so um, what you do in your own room, Lawson, is it's fine fine with I, us. Yeah, yeah no no one will have an yeah. issue with it. Aiden will be fine. Yeah. I think they'll get on really well. I think they will. They really, Lawson really admires your son and really enjoys visiting with him about all sorts of things. So I think they're going to I think they're going to do very well together as roommates. I think they will, too. Yeah. And I have to say, they, they share their love of cars. And what, yeah. what my son showed me last night really surprised me was that your son's formerly blue yes. Subaru WRX is now pink. pink. And it wasn't a paint job. He wrapped it, like shrink wrapped it, it. And then I was like, I didn't even know that's a thing. Yeah. It was fascinating it looked really cool i have good, to say good yeah. i think it does too but yeah. you know i'm his mom so <laughs> i know i just was like well we're gonna know where lawson is when he's driving around town we're he's gonna be like that's lawson's car yeah car in town <laughs> <laughs> so i'm very excited yeah, for them i think so i think it's gonna we'll be it nice energy yeah. for the both of them yeah. i know so it's great it's gonna be good yeah and you know his landlord so you know we're, we're know. good about stuff i know exactly. i'm like well i know the landlord so. but he's out of the house our boys are out of the house yeah, i know yeah. so yes yeah, so, um, so I think we should get back to our guest. We should. Think, Crystal? We should. So we are so glad to have you with us today, Francesca. Welcome. Thank you. So happy and honored to be here with you guys. Welcome. Yes. Are you gals? Excuse me. Yeah. And Francesca has some beautiful jewelry on for those yeah. of you who aren't with us seeing it. It's absolutely stunning. Yes. So. Yes. Thank you. I want to start off by telling our listeners a little bit about you, Francesca. So Francesca Pine Rodriguez is a member of the Crow and Northern Cheyenne Nations. She grew up on both reservations and in Billings, Montana. She has worked for Montana State University, both in the Native American Studies Program and in Student Services, also for National Indigenous Leadership Programs and in Administrative Posts at Little Bighorn College. Her academic background is in environmental studies and public administration, and she currently serves as the executive director of Mountain Time Arts. So, Francesca, we want to talk to you today about Yellowstone Revealed, as Nancy said earlier, which is a program of Mountain Time Arts. But before we get to that, I want to just give our listeners a little bit of context. So can you start off by telling us a little bit about Mountain Time Arts that you currently lead? Sure. Uh, my name is 20 Stans, and uh, everybody knows me as Francesca Pine Rodriguez. 
Mountain Time Arts is a Bozeman-based uh, nonprofit that works to drive change through the cultivation of bold and engaging public works of art, um, projects and programs that explore history, culture, and environment of the Rocky Mountain West and its sovereign nations. Mountain Time Arts prides itself on providing a platform for impactful art, and we really love to get uh, people conversating about things that they potentially may have never started a conversation about before. That relates to the land, uh, the environment, and the issues that all come along with that. I think art is such a good forum to start those kind of conversations. Um, My husband being a photographic artist, too, he's always looking at the ways in which art can engage people in conversations they may not normally think they're entering into, but it's kind of a nice way to broach sometimes very big and complicated topics, um, as you were saying. Mm -hmm. So I think that's such a lovely mission for the program. Yeah, and you know, we've had a long history, Extreme History has had a long history with Mountain Time Arts too, and um, we've done a, a walking tour, I think it was the first year that Mountain Time Arts really got itself going, up and going, uh, we did a walking tour in collaboration with Mountain Time Arts that was about uh, the history of water in Bozeman, and we did a walking tour called um, Bozeman, um, gosh, what did we call the tour? But anyway, it was about Bozeman Creek, which really runs right through the middle of Bozeman. So, And you guys are continuing that work and continuing to, to do um, pieces around Bozeman Creek, which I think mm-hmm. is amazing. So, yeah. Definitely, and Bozeman Creek... Uh, is right beneath our feet all the time right. and we you know a lot of people don't even know it's there it runs right under main street mm-hmm. right through nova and bar nine yeah. <laughs> and um you know there are some things on the ground that um kind of market but i don't feel like people fully grasp the fact that there's a creek running right beneath their feet um and uh you know rather than it being kind of like this hidden gem i would like to make it not hidden anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, they covered it up. They covered it, you know, the the pieces that people would see most being the, you know, the part of the the creek that runs right through downtown, they have completely covered. So people don't ha- they don't have any idea. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that you guys are still working on that and doing more around that cuz mm-hmm. it's it is it's beautiful and I get to see it cuz it literally runs right by this building that we're sitting in right, right now. Right on the other side. I know. <laughs> yeah, and it does peek out for a little bit right here. So if I walk anywhere, I get to stand and watch the creek and see it rise in the spring and fall, you know, in the fall right now. It's really low. There's not a lot of water running through. But it is perennial, right? It runs all year round. And it's such an important water source for the community. It's so interesting when you think of other towns in Montana that have been built alongside a big river. The river is there and it's so present and everything. And this creek, even though it's small, is incredibly important. And I think it is so interesting at getting covered up. 
I didn't know about it for years until really I started working with extreme history and yeah. kind of realized that it was flowing underneath these places. Yeah, yeah. it's very yeah. cool. It One is. of these days I want to float it all the way down because oh, we heard stories terrifying. of people doing that. Yeah. I know. I say I want to do that, but I'm not, not entirely sure. Not all right, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll take your advice. <laughs> but I know a lot of people who have done that. Yeah. And so Maybe I'll just float a rubber ducky. Through. Yeah, that that's a good idea. I like that idea. And we're going to have a really, really amazing way to view Bozeman Creek coming up on mm-hmm. Earth Day and I will uh, talk a little bit more about that when we get to that section. Oh, okay. fantastic. Great. That's Great. exciting. Oh, a little Great. tantalizing thing yes. to keep our listeners yes. listening. Yes. Okay. Um, so let's dig into um, Yellowstone Revealed and talk a little bit more about that, what it is, what it might become in the future. So Francesca, can you start by telling us what the project was and is it going to continue? Um, Well, the project was a series of public artworks in Yellowstone National Park. um, And we wanted to, our goal, you know, put very succinctly was to um, establish indigenous presence. And for people to see it, um, it, for people to be there and it be hard not to see it. And so I think um, because one of the interesting facts about Yellowstone National Park is there hadn't been a teepee in the park since it's been a park. <laughs> so that's 150 years. That's a crazy to think about mm-hmm. because we know there's encampments there that go back thousands and thousands of years. So we know those structures were there. Exactly. And so, you know, historically, Native Americans, American Indians, for me, that would just be my people, were a part of the ecology of the park long before it was ever a park. And so by actually removing our people from the area, um, it's actually disturbed the landscape. Um, And so it's, you know, it's just kind of uh, interesting the way it's been presented to the public all of these years. And we really wanted to let people know that um, Native Americans have always been there. We continue to be there, and we will hopefully be a part of co-creating a new future that includes Indigenous presence in the parks in the future. How was it working with the Park Service itself to get these uh, artworks and and public interactive experiences off the ground um, during this past summer? So working with the people was incredibly joyous um, and challenging at times, but it didn't have anything to do with um, anybody not wanting to participate. I felt like uh, almost everybody that, you know, was a part of Yellowstone Revealed, and there was many, many hundreds of people who are part of Yellowstone Revealed, um, that really felt like it was time for this story to be told and included. And... Um, I really have to credit the leadership over there at Yellowstone National Park, um, Cam Shawley, along with Christina White, you know, um, and one of our rangers. Uh, I always just call him Tim T. It's Timothy Townsend. <laughs> well done pulling have, that out. I have, yeah. I, have a, I have a nickname for him, so I'm like, I have to remember his real name. <laughs> and so, but I mean, there, the challenge was not necessarily working with the people or making the right connections. The challenge was how do we work within a system that doesn't really allow for this? 
Right. It's a bureaucracy set up originally to do something totally else. And, and originally in the beginning, it was set up to keep Native people completely out. Exactly. And, and there was no effort to tell the story. So, so interesting to put it that way and say, yes, now people are willing to do it. But the Park Service and Yellowstone Park in particular weren't set up to do that. But now hopefully all these things will change. I'm wondering, Francesca, just for our listeners in particular, could you give us one or two examples of what things actually happened in the park or, or, or occurred in the park during Yellowstone Revealed? Sure. Uh, so, well, we had three major things happening, and which was, um, well, four. <laughs> I'm just going to start from the beginning. Right when you enter the park, you will see... Uh, teepee or teepees by the entrance signs and for me like that's right away you that's should know right there yeah yep. I would hope that your people would remind it be reminded that they are on Indian land absolutely and so when they come into the park I hope that they're coming with that and then as you're driving in um, from the west entrance you would then uh, a few miles down the road encounter teepees off in the distance and you um get closer and closer, approach them, and you see that it's actually a village. Oh, there were 13 teepees there that we set up. Um, and, you know, it was my intention to really get, like, 27 teepees, but um, we're working up to it. And so, um, and that's really to try to uh, show at least the, re- this, the relationship that exists now with the parks, and there are 27 tribes that are recognized as having ties to the land. Uh, just within our research, we found it's more closer to 50 wow. tribes. It's wow. amazing. And so, so, so the 13 that were represented, they are 13 mm-hmm. of those 50 overall that have connections ongoing and historical. Um, well, I used a, hopefully a little trick to actually try to honor all of the tribes because 12 of the teepees were for uh, the people who had um, what we call cultural ambassadors, people there who could talk about their tribal relationship to the park or just whatever questions that people So had. participants, I mean, people visiting the park could just come up and have a discussion. Oh, that's lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, they could just come up and have a discussion and those people might have, um, you know, things to show them. Um, everybody just kind of brought what they wanted. And then, um, and so there was that exchange. And then we had one bigger teepee in the middle that represented all of the people who could not be there. Wonderful. Nice. That's lovely. Because they, their presence was invited and honored, and even though for whatever reason they couldn't be there, we wanted to honor their presence mm-hmm. and have a space for them. Mm-hmm. And so at that teepee, we actually had um, a young girl, Georgeline Marset, who is a um, college student at MSU, come and she... Uh, realized that her tribe wasn't on that list of the 27 tribes that are Mm -hmm. recognized as um, having a relationship with Yellowstone Park. And so she was like, I don't have a teepee. I don't have Mm -hmm. a place here. And I said, well, yes, you do. You have the biggest teepee, actually, and you're right in the middle. Wonderful. And so she did feel like she had a place. And you know, anybody who wanted to come talk about their tribe, they were totally welcome to come be in that space. And so that was just the teepee village portion. And then, so that was one thing. (laughs) And then we had um, Rematriate, which were the Buffalo dances by Patty Baldez, who is an expert in 
bison restoration and oh, ecology and everything. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about her in a bit. And then um, another really awesome piece was the cultural tours where um, there we had a ticketing system where people could actually uh, go on a bus tour along the Grand Southern Loop of Yellowstone Park and have an indigenously led um, uh, tourism experience, I guess, where um, the tribal representative, I shouldn't say tribal representative, the um, cultural ambassador of that um, particular day was we had different tribes represented on each different day. days oh fantastic mm-hmm. yeah and so even if you were somebody who attended every day you would have had completely different experiences wow. every single day wow. and so you know one day was blackfeet one day was crow one wow. day was nez pierce one day was um cheyenne and so um you know we had that going for five days and the lead artists there were dean nikolai and tim ryan who are oh, yeah. uh-huh. um both amazing guys from Salish Kootenai College and uh, so educated in archaeology and history. And and I felt like um, the major themes that we really wanted to hit were um, indigenous histories um, because, you know, there is literally real evidence that we've been here for at least 11,000 years. At least. <laughs> at yes, least. Exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah. uh, I mean, if you're looking to the scientific proof, yeah. and, and according to our stories, we've always been here. Right. And so, um, and then, uh, you know, it was like the presence piece and then the bison piece. And one piece that I never got to address that um, I think we want to try to focus on for 2023 was water. Oh, yeah. And interestingly, water played the biggest role in our planning in right? Yellowstone for Reveal the this whole past thing summer. This year. Yes, yeah. we had the wow. once in a hundred year flood. A little bit of a cosmic kind of um, <laughs> boom. That's what you need to focus on next year, maybe. <laughs> well, and and we had to look at it as not a bad thing, right? actually. Right. And yeah. and I really, you know, things like this where I feel like you know maybe. I, I take signs, you know, if I'm on the right track or not. I feel like yeah. the creator will give me these signs, and, and I will just take them and um, try to do good, you know, and move forward. And so when we, we had planned on doing the teepee village in Gardner. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> right at the Roosevelt Arch. And so wow. when the flood happened, yeah. that made that not possible. Right. But we did still want to have a presence there because we didn't want to simply abandon the community of Gardner, who's been amazing, and Bill Berg is spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had been doing a year of planning there, and it all you know, became... Uh, not possible. And so mm. we still wanted to have a presence there. And so we worked with the Pretty Shield Foundation once again to bring the illuminated teepees to Gardner. Oh, fantastic. Um, but it did yeah. force us to move the teepee village to Madison Junction, where uh, a lot of people say, you know, and I feel now that that is where it was meant to be. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. It pushed us deeper into the park. Into the heart of the park. Which I most. think is yeah. very important to mm-hmm. be in yeah. the park. Like you said, seeing that presence, whether it's right in the gate, but then in the park, I think it, people will not forget that imagery and that's the one thing that always struck me about Yellowstone was that you could drive all the way through that park and even if you stopped at all sorts of things you could easily come away with not feeling any indigenous presence Mm -hmm. over you know the past 15 years and stuff that I have visited it um 
it's got to be so impactful to have that visual symbol, but mm-hmm. then to have that interaction available, I think, mm-hmm. with the cultural ambassadors and the tours. I, I hope it's something that you'll all be able to continue. Well, it's actually something that I hope Yellowstone Park continues mm, because yeah, yes. I work for systematic change or systemic change um, because, like I said, like in the beginning, we didn't have space to do what we wanted to do. We've now made that space. Yeah. It is there now. It exists within the structure. And so now who does it? If Yellowstone National Park steps in to do that, for me, I will walk away from Yellowstone Revealed feeling like I've made real tangible change, (laughs) which is, uh, as you'll see as we talk about the rest of what we do, a theme of mine. It makes sense. I mean, they have archaeology programs, history programs, Mm -hmm. all of these things. They should make a place for this to be part of their core curricula, systematics, whatever they do in the park. It just, it makes the park a more enjoyable and, um, I don't know if truthful is the right word, but just real experience Mm -hmm. of what the park has been, that space, that cultural space Mm -hmm. has been, I should say, before it was even a park. It even enriches the history of it, I feel, because it's far more interesting. Exactly, because there are so many awesome stories um, that are not mine to share at this moment, but from, you know, that place that are spectacular that I feel like, you know, the world could really benefit from knowing. I mean, when they do like fire campsite stories, could you imagine having a culture ambassador from a tribe telling some story under the stars? But also I feel like with regard to bison and just the fact that those of these herds that have been there forever and people have been hunting them forever for you know 10,000 years and more and the fact that that was one place where they were protected and brought back um there's so many ways in which that all makes so much sense so mm-hmm. congratulations Thank Francesca you. that's yeah. huge it was an amazing thing and I got to experience it for a day <laughs> okay um um my husband and I um came for the rematriate and water wasn't was was a theme throughout this it sure was whether it was, it was coming up from below yeah. or from the sky right from the sky because uh, we came for the rematriate um performance which was going to be an, an evening event and the um the the rain fell that night and i've never seen so much rainfall it was unbelievable and so it, it was postponed but then we got to see it the next day so we stayed overnight in west yellowstone and we came back the next day and i have to say when coming into the park through the west yellowstone gateway um at the sign that says welcome to yellowstone you guys had put a teepee right there and of course everyone from all over the world stops and takes their picture right there so everyone who stopped there and took their picture there this summer has a teepee Mm -hmm. in their photo Mm -hmm. and i think that was hugely impactful and that um, gives me gooseies for sure yeah such a change yeah (laughs) you know we go into yellowstone all the time but um this time i and we never stop at the sign and take a picture but i'm like larry we are going to stop and take a picture in front of the sign with the teepee and so we did and we got in line because there's a line you get in because there's people you know there's so many people wanting to take a picture there and we were in line with these people from slovakia Mm. and so they were noticing the teepee they were and so 
we talked about the teepee with these people from Slovakia for while we waited, and then we took their picture, and then they took our picture, and then we all went into the park. But it was so um, important to have that there. So um, just that one piece, (laughs) just that one. I mean, so it's right there. So anytime someone has that iconic photograph, that representation is part of it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that makes me so happy. (laughs) It feels like, you know, my tactics have been working because I was like, I want to make it so that it's impossible to take a picture without our presence there. Like you would actually have to Photoshop out (laughs) the teepee. Um, And so uh, I really, really wanted our presence to be there no matter what. Yeah. And then when we drove in and we, we could just barely see the teepees coming into view and then there's a great pull out right there, and and you can get out of your car and look over this beautiful valley and see this group of it looks like a, a teepee village um, in the background. And so, so we did that, and then we um, then we spent the day at the teepee village, which was amazing to talk to all the different cultural ambassadors. And there were so many people there when we were there, um, and. People from again all over the world coming, and there was a woman who was from Germany, who we ran into frequently as we're kind of going from TP to TP, and she was um, from Germany studying um, the parks interaction with indigenous people in the United States. So that's the reach you know this has, mm. this interest has, and she had come over to be there that that week to talk to everybody so it was really interesting to see where people were from and Mm -hmm. the questions they were asking and and just kind of see that in play it was just amazing and then um we did get to see the repatriate because you guys did it again the next day repatriate i'm sorry oh my gosh wow (laughs) thank you for the correction we're not gonna edit that out that that is important that is hugely important okay we're gonna talk about repatriation but let me take a quick station okay okay you are listening to the dirt on the past with co-hosts crystal alegria and nancy mahoney on kgvm bozeman or wherever you find your podcasts we are speaking today with Francesca Pine Rodriguez, the executive director of Mountain Time Arts. Okay, yeah, I, I mean, you know, even me who's so in, in it's important. Matriation is so important in the um, matriarchy. For me to make that slip is really mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so thanks, <laughs> thank you for explain that. explain the word to our listeners. Yeah, explain, explain what we're talking explain, about. Explain. Rematriate. We can talk about that now if you want to. Sure. Um, so I think it's, it is good to talk about it because I did want to talk a bit about the performance too yeah. at, um, in Yellowstone, which kind of connects to Bozeman. Yeah, but, um, yeah. you know, Rematriate, when Patty Baldez proposed that as the title of her project, um, it was like mind blowing just to hear that word. And I was like, rematriate because I um, completely understand and live within the patriarchy, which is, you know, men being um, held up higher than women um, and being in the lead. And for um, indigenous folks, our societies were often matriarchal. And so I'm familiar also with the term matriarch and matriarchal, but I had never heard of rematriate. And so um, I thought that was really interesting. And she said, well, the buffalo 
And and also I would like to just say a little note is I do call the bison buffalo mm-hmm. and our people do. Yeah. So she said the buffalo have um, the buffalo are us and they are matriarchal and so are we. And so whatever happens to the buffalo happens to us. And that right there kind of blew my mind because me knowing like the experience that my people have had, you know, about um, kind of like um, the attempt attempted extermination of the buffalo that happened happened to us. And then when that didn't happen, the putting them in a place of boundary, mm-hmm. you a know, contained a contained area. place mm-hmm. that also happened to us mm-hmm. called reservations. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, nowadays, you know, um, the buffalo are starting to be restored um, and returned back to the people. Um, at least there's some pathway um, towards that. And so now, and it also now feels like the right time where mainstream America is ready for more sources of information. Um, as before, I felt like they were more closed to their sources of information, um, you know, and really felt like what they read in their textbooks was true, what they heard on the news was true. And and so um, us being in a time of uh, where I feel like um, those trusted sources are now um, being rightfully so realized that they are not 100% true. Um, you know, we I had to grow up, grow up with that. You know, I grew up reading textbooks that I knew were wrong. And but nobody would believe me, you know, but now I feel like there is credibility to our actual truth, <laughs> uh, which is the truth, a part of the real story of um, America and Yellowstone National Park. And so rematriation is the return to the matriarchal society. That's what rematriate means to me. It's thank powerful. you for that. It's yeah, a powerful thank word. You for that. It's a powerful idea too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and so it's as new to me, rematriate as it is to you. Um, but I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Patty Baldez on um, on her trailer that we'll talk about in a little bit when we talk more about what this this piece of art is and was. On her trailer, she has written rematriate in huge letters. Mm-hmm. On the, and, and so to see that is really a statement as well, to see that going down the road or to mm-hmm. see it parked somewhere. And then on the other side of her trailer, she has painted land back. Mm-hmm. So so do those things, those ideas kind of um, come together? Um, for me, yes, because I think about land back, I guess, um, and I, and I never really, I guess, I don't, the way I think about things is not people-based. It's land-based. And I feel like that's what's different. And so when you say land back, I'm thinking, what would the, what would the world look like if we gave the land back to the buffalo? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would that look mm-hmm. like? What would that have to look like? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and really all of our keystone species, um, and which is kind of continued to be a theme through other things that we are doing, um, even with Bozeman Creek, because when we talk about revitalized relatives, you know, we're talking about what if we gave the land back to our relatives, the flora and fauna of the valley, um, you know, that that's what land back means to me and how it crosses into Mm -hmm. rematriation. Mm. I I know some organizations 
that are not even indigenous based. I think American Prairie is one of them that they are interested in getting the land back to where the species that are on it have that health to have those grasslands. My husband and I went um, bird watching and camping and, and went along a bit of that and we're, we're thinking very much about prairie and how beautiful and amazing and how would it be to be able to see more of that and vast stretches of that and how it would be for ecosystems and all of the, the living things that are in them. And um, and there's a lot of resistance, so that's a, another whole podcast we'll have you back for. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned uh, birds, and that's going to set me off a little bit. I have to um, – I am a little bit of a – Amateur field ornithologist. Fantastic. <laughs> do, do tell. Which literally means I like to bird watch. Um, so in a very, I have a very elementary understanding. But um, I read this article, and I feel like this really speaks to like the concepts that I'm trying to get across to people. I read an article that um, had this very uh, kind of uh, cool headline that said, Are birds psychic? Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, what's this about? Yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah. so I, you know, and the, like kind of like that sexy headline, you yeah, know. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. Like, Tension yeah. grabbing, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> As a, a field ornithologist, that's the kind of thing that, you know, gets to me. Right, and so right. I'm like, interesting, okay. And so I'm reading the article, and it the article is about how um, certain species of bird um, can predict the weather. Oh. And science has proven that this they are doing that they are predicting the weather and calculating their migration patterns based on uh, future weather patterns and um, that so they can tell when something major is coming Fantastic. like a hurricane oh, um, goodness. Yeah. stuff yeah. like that almost up to a year in advance oh my gosh that's amazing wow what science can't tell us is how exactly exactly. is the how (laughs) but they've been noticing patterns that are saying there is this evidence that there is that's fascinating that they know and yeah yeah. well i i have to tell you our weird little experience when the reason we were kind of up in that area around shoto was because um there's only there's less than 100 whooping crane on the planet right now right and when they were really down to tiny numbers and um trying to get chicks raised they would put the eggs sometimes in those of sandhill cranes. Okay. Right? So yeah. last fall, there, no, sorry, last spring, there had been reports of one whooping crane coming through Shoto and all the prairie around there heading up um, by Freeze Out Lake with these two sandhill cranes. And a couple people saw it. It was only there two days. Well, so this fall, just about a month ago, we heard that it was back. One whooping crane, which oh, is much wow. bigger than the two sandhills. Oh, yeah. So my story in my head is that this these were its foster parents. Yeah. And it's just yeah. traveling back and forth. And there's no other whooping cranes around. There's all these other sandhills hanging oh, out. And this guy's like, well, whatever. I'm all doing my thing. Guys, yeah. But it was, it was incredibly beautiful to see. And people wow. were coming from all different parts of Montana that were seeing the reports of these on on um, a bird app, eBird or something. And <laughs> and we were so thrilled to see it, and we got yeah. to see it fly, and it was just an astonishing, the wingspan. And oh. yeah. so, yeah, my husband is trying to get me hooked on bird watching, and that was a pretty good start. <laughs> I love it, and, you know, I have a bird feeder and everything now. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but, um, you know, back to the story. So I had, like, 
um, read this article that said, you know, our bird psychic showed how they did it. You know, they're predicting the weather potentially a year ahead. And, and so that, um, and that was the, the, basically the article was like, but we, you know, how do they but do how? it? Yeah. Right. And so I'm like, you know what? I think I have the answer to that actually. Mm-hmm. Cause it made me think about, uh, these stories that my grandmother used to tell me. Mm-hmm. And she used to say, um, how we used to talk to the animals and we used to, what she, the phrase she used was, um, we used to quote unquote, speak the same language. And in my, you know, child brain at the time, I'm like, oh, the, you know, if you're talking to a squirrel, it's speaking English to you yeah, or it's yeah. talking crow, you know? Right, and, right. and then I started thinking, well, what language do they speak? You know? And, right. then, <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, like this is getting too complicated. And so, um, but, uh, the point was, you know, is that, um, here's the best way I can tell it. Have you ever, or do you now have any pets? Yes. Lots of people do. Right. That bond is real. Oh, yeah. And does your dog or cat or pet need to come up to you and speak in English to you to say, I'm hungry? I know. No, of course not. No, we totally understand our dog. I know. You're connected Mm. with that being. And you don't have to speak exactly the same language, but yet you do speak the same language because you understand one another exactly the way you need to Mm -hmm. because you are that connected. There's all that observation of their behavior, that interdependence, and you can Mm -hmm. totally see how that would make sense if you are living that way in your environment with the other living things in it. Exactly. And so I think, you know, that those birds are so connected Mm -hmm. to the environment, Mm -hmm. you know, everything, wind patterns and everything um, that they can tell when something is off. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, and then thinking back to those old stories that my grandmother told me, I, I, it made sense now. Yeah. And I was like, where that does make sense. To, to my adult brain now, I can make, make it make sense. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, like, it's just the fact that we were that connected. Yeah. We were able to understand. It is yeah. funny. I often feel like we go to these great lengths to try to scientifically prove all these things. And a lot of times it's like, <laughs> but it's just these stories we've kind of always known mm-hmm. back deep. In, in cultural histories, and they're telling us the same thing. And it's becoming its own field, traditional yes. ecological knowledge. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, and that right now, like I said, is like get, gaining more credibility yeah. because now, you know, as, it's, as Western science is testing itself against our theories and such um, that they're finding, like, um, it's just interesting. It's just for me, it's a different way to find your way to what's real yeah mm-hmm. you know i wouldn't i don't sometimes i i say the truth but it's my truth um such a hard word but it's what's real to us mm-hmm. um and so yeah but i'm getting yeah. us off topic now no, you, you got good. me started that on my bird good. stuff I like the bird. <laughs> <laughs> so so francesca just to go back to yellowstone revealed a little bit where were some of your aha moments when you were in the midst of it was this was a week-long thing it was it went from Saturday to Saturday or something like that, right? And yeah. So, so as you were going through it, what were some things that really stood out to you? Um, you know, something that really got me was, like, <laughs> the fact that we didn't include 
water as a theme Mm -hmm. and water became one of our biggest factors and so for me like I said I'm taking the signs from the creator that okay then we should probably say something about water in 2023 yeah um but you know like um one of the aha moments that I had was the fact that I'm trying to bring indigenous presence to um Yellowstone National Park and then Um, with the people who were there, whether they were a cultural ambassador or just um, someone who wanted to come check it out and visit, um, they said that they felt more welcome. They felt like it was more like home. Mm -hmm. And they hadn't felt that connection before. And so I just really hope that people found more connection to the land. And and also one of my aha moments is that um, (laughs) it's like, it's kind of just validating my, you know, assumption that um, this was something that um, is, I feel like, a natural fit for the park um, mm-hmm. because I felt like when we were putting up the teepees and stuff, uh, the park's folks were really um, careful, and this is rightfully so, that we didn't disturb the landscape. Mm-hmm. And But when we put these 13 teepees up, um, everybody who looked at them said they looked like they belonged there and they were a part of that landscape more so than that information center house um, yeah. that has stood there for I don't even know how many years um, and so so that was one of my aha moments where I was like where I felt like we are a part of this you know um, and it's so natural that even though we've, I feel like we altered the landscape, it looked like it wasn't altered at all. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It just felt natural mm-hmm. for that to be that piece to be there. Yeah. Yeah, like mm-hmm. when you saw the teepees off in the distance, yeah. did they look out of place? No, not at all. They did not. It's it so was interesting. like a welcome sight. Yeah. Like, oh, there it is. That, yeah. that natural thing that should be there is now there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that had been there. I mean, yeah. we've seen lectures on... Um, uh, park architecture, like yeah. all the national park architecture and, and stuff, which has all been invented and for per- specific reasons that have to do with creating parks and creating nation states and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it is funny to think how, of course, it makes sense that you put some teepees up and that's how the landscape would have looked, you know, mm-hmm. and the fact that it was always changing and exactly mm-hmm. where the encampments were might have moved slightly, you know, from year to year, decade to decade. But um, you have those places where there's so much stratigraphy telling you that this was a place that was visited, you know, um, mm-hmm. time and time again. So. Um, so I do have another, like, yeah. huge moment that where I guess, I don't know if it was a moment or a realization, but um, I did know as we were planning this, you know, and the planning, by the way, the planning for this took 18 months or so. Wow. And we were meeting with Indigenous scholars from across the state and Wyoming and um, different community folks and parks folks and, uh, you know, all kinds of stakeholders. And so, um, you know, all I know is I wanted to somehow document what we were doing. Um, and But what I realized along the way was that the process of what we were doing was actually far more important than the events themselves. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because it put into position um, the park needed to have tribal engagement on a level it had never had tribal engagement before. 
And so, like we said, uh, even though for us, like the number of tribes at the teepee village was much lower than I wanted, um, it was more than the park has ever really had. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it was like, there was like 14 tribes being, you know, represented there where they, we actually had people there. Um, and so, you know, that, that piece right there and then them, um, gaining access to the networks of people and then learning how to do things in a different way. Mm -hmm. So, um, if the park reaches out and wants to work with a tribe, they trigger this government to government, very bureaucratic process, which is right in that that's how you deal with the sovereign nation, government to government. Is that really how you get things done, though? Um, you know, can we, you know, really trust our president to work with the president of Canada to do an art show? Probably not. You need to work with like other folks. Yeah. And so um, that was the approach that I think really had never been taken before was working with folks on that community level where I feel sustainability truly lies. Right. And just to build those relationships too right. that had never right. been in place before. So mm-hmm. now there's, you come out of this with these relationships built, you mm-hmm. know, with, I mean, people to people instead of government to government. Yeah, there's relationships yeah. built. There's been space carved out. Yeah. Now we just need to get a budget in there that supports it. Right. <laughs> no park service. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and they now own 20 teepees. And so, okay. you know, there's... Wow. Yeah. And they have to care them. for them. Yeah, they need to. Good. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Well, I have to say, when I was there, there was a huge presence of park people, park staff there. And they were you know, interacting and, and enjoying, you could mm-hmm. tell that they were, that you guys had built relationships. Yeah. I could see you guys were friends. Yeah. You were friend, there was friendships there mm-hmm. that you could just automatically see. And so, um, and so that, that is paradigm shifting. Yeah. You know, and all of that, which you just talked about is paradigm shifting. And how do I share that with people there? Yeah. Like therein lies my challenge yeah. because I'm like all about tangible change. And so, Um, If I, you know, whatever happens with Yellowstone Revealed for us, um, you know, we don't know the ending of that story yet or the beginning of the new one, um, that this inspired me to do a documentary. Oh, nice. So that documentation that um, I was, we were taking, you know, along the way is now footage for our documentary, which for me is going to serve as a template for other indigenous communities who perhaps want to see themselves reflected in their national parks and their spaces. How did, how did they do it? They don't have to make an appointment with me to talk about it. They can just watch this free documentary. Um, and also that documentary will also showcase what we, what we did in Yellowstone. Um, and so that'll be, uh, premiering in Bozeman Yay. in the spring or summer of 2023. That's so oh exciting. That's amazing, Francesca. What a great way yes. to show because yeah. it is a visual. And to have that ongoing impact yeah. and example for others. That's yeah. huge. That's huge. That's huge. Okay. So I want to move on a little bit um, and talk about Mountain Time Arts and the other projects that you've been working on. And a really significant one happened in October of 2021. And that was when Mountain Time Arts brought seven teepees to a bluff um, that we here locally call Pete's Hill. Um, That's a bluff that overlooks Bozeman 
and beyond into the Gallatin Valley. And so this was an event that you did around Indigenous Peoples Day in October of 2021. And these teepees were illuminated, and they're the same teepees um, brought by the Pretty Shield Foundation and the Rocky Mountain Tribal Leaders to Yellowstone this year, but you had worked with them last year Mm -hmm. um, to do this. So maybe you could just um, talk about that, and that was in 2021. And then we had another, Mountain Time Arts led another event for Indigenous Peoples Day just a few weeks ago in 2022. So maybe you could talk about both of these Indigenous People Day mm-hmm. events and how Mountain Time Arts kind of brought these to the community of Bozeman. Sure. So we were really fortunate that, um, you know, the collaboration between Pretty Shield Foundation, Rocky Mountain Tribal Leaders, and Mount Time Arts happened last year. It seemed to happen just organically, unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so bringing them to Bozeman was a way to do a community activity because I feel like we were still kind of coming out of our pandemic shells yeah. and um, wanted to have an event where people could uh, safely come out and enjoy something. And um, and so the, the big illuminated seven teepees on Pete's Hill um, were just a hit with the community and um, did exactly what we wanted them to, which was um, having a, an event that the community could come to at their convenience and then and enjoy free and open to the public. And then um, also that presence again, establishing an indigenous presence here. And then Number three was, for me, as a part of Indigenous Peoples Day Montana, readying the community for a call to action because we are trying to get Indigenous Peoples Day passed at the state level. Um, That's me with my MTA hat off and my Indigenous Peoples Day hat on. Um, But, you know, as you can see, everything is connected. But um, and so. So, you know, that worked really well last year and was beautiful. And then um, this year, we took an opposite approach. Instead of uh, altering the landscape, we uh, disturbed the landscape as little as possible. Because um, although the teepees were amazing and everything, it really um, did a number on the native plants in the area. And I know that's something and not a glamorous thing to think about, but um, something that I think about. And so this year I was wanting to do something, um, you know, I guess it may be kind of the idea of strip farming (laughs) where it's like one year you really do crap to the land and then you let it recover and then you do another plot, you know, and then, and so you (laughs) You get to regenerate, you get what you need while trying, while trying to let it heal. And so, um, you know, I didn't want to be responsible for, (laughs) um, you know, damaging the native plant life there. And so, um, at least a second year in a row. (laughs) And so we went the opposite direction this year and invited Patty Baldez back because, Um, We did get rained out for her originally scheduled performances at Old Faithful and um, at the Teepee Village, which those performances did happen, but they didn't happen at the times they were advertised to happen, which, um, you know, was weather dependent. And so Mm -hmm. uh, we wanted to bring Rematriate to Bozeman, and we did just that. And it was another amazing performance by Patty Baldez and... Um, the 
it's a dancing buffalo performance where they're moving buffalo sculptures that are made of willow and what we call cook'em scarves, but they're grandmother scarves um, that actually have an interesting connection to the Ukrainian people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other topic. A whole other topic. <laughs> but, um, but it's a part of our history. And, and, so, um, and so it was like uh, these really beautiful moving buffalo skirts. Uh, excuse me, moving buffalo sculptures that were made of organic material. And each moving buffalo consisted of a mother and a daughter or a grandmother and a granddaughter or a aunt and a niece. Um, and so um, to to really talk about rematriate and rematriate into the future, you know. Mm-hmm. and And then to have the community witness that and it was just really fun i was one of the buffalo me yes, and my daughters you and daughter. um, me and my 20 year old daughter yeah and um <laughs> and it was just really fun because uh you know like we were like stomping our feet and we were trying to sound like buffalo because we were actually in a stock trailer and we have to sound like buffalo wanting to get out and then um you know the door opens and we dance out and then we dance up to the site and where it culminates in this you know, probably 300 people round dance up on Pete's Hill. It was just gorgeous. Yeah, with music, with a drum, mm-hmm. a drum group there as with well. With our live drum group yeah. and our traditional music and our impactful speakers, including uh, Crystal. <laughs> um, yeah, because we talked about, you know, it was really about unity and community was our theme this year. And, and so, um, you know, I... And so... When we talk about systemic change, you know, I really want the city of Bozeman because this year was historically significant because it's a Indigenous Peoples Day was passed as an ordinance and a new holiday. Yeah. It used to not be an actual holiday like uh, the Columbus Day. Um, we call that the C word. When it used to be the C word, um, yeah. you know, there wasn't technically a holiday on that day for the city, but now there is. Yeah. It's a it's an actual holiday that city employees will have, um, and so they have the day off. They have the day yeah. off, yeah. And, and which is a huge financial commitment by the city of Bozeman. To indigenous to recognize day. that, yeah, yeah, no, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's a huge achievement. That's within the structure, right? That's right. systemic right. change, that's right? Systemic and change. Yeah. but now it's like now the city, I feel like, should be also responsible for mm-hmm. helping the celebration each year, um, and and so. I'm hoping that, you know, next year um, I'm going to work with them to plan it. Um, but Mountain Time Arts will not be the, um, you know, the financial partner that we have been. Right. And so um, that'll be a, an upcoming thing of how the city wants to handle that. Yeah. Because, oh, Francesca, yeah. I worry kind of... about if you leave it to the city. I just don't <laughs> trust them to do anything nearly as cool as you've done the last two years. <laughs> but you I... got to advisor I'm not, or yeah, or I'm not going okay. that's that's my uh contribution okay. contribution okay. I don't want you time. going anywhere and letting and, them have yeah. free reign because that ain't gonna come out nice that's gonna be bad <laughs> but it's you know it's so interesting to see their commitment to it and yeah. and they are committed they are they are all in on this thing which is so amazing to see and it's a model 
um, because during her during um, her speech, or I can't remember if it was you that said it or Marcia Small that said it, but um, this is one of the only places in the United States where they, the only cities in the United States that gives people the day off for Indigenous Peoples Day. Is that right? Is that, am I saying that right? I think you are saying that right. Okay. And it wasn't me. It was Marsha okay. Small who okay. said that. And um, she had been doing some research to try to find out if we could find any more cities yeah. that had anything like this. And we couldn't. Yeah. Um, so if anybody out there who's listening yeah. knows of any Let other cities know. that yeah. actually have a real official holiday for Indigenous Peoples Day, um, we would like to know because we haven't found any. It's just... And so Bozeman is really setting, you know, a precedent, I feel Mm -hmm. like, not only potentially for the state, but for the nation. Yeah, yeah. I wish the state would look to Bozeman a little bit more and and Mm -hmm. pass Indigenous Peoples Day. That would be exciting. um, A group has gone, you know... Every year, Every year. It's been... Mm -hmm. been, um, a Senate bill has been proposed or House bill, different, different, you know, strategies each year. And um, I don't know how many years now it's been proposed, but it's more than four or five. So um, hopefully it's not going to stop us from keep on trying because no, no. <laughs> now, well, like, now how- we're going to have the power of our communities, yeah, you know, right. and the constituents and like, right. and so we're fine. We find out what's effective and we try that. Yeah. Um, and it's all about, you know, with the city kind of like the fear that they might mess it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like the goal should never to try to be perfect. The goal should yeah. try to be cool, you know, fun, right. make right. it cool, fun, and just like an interesting experience. And I think that's all we can ask for. Yeah. So well, it was going to be okay. I think it, it would be it one of our that. coolest holidays, actually. It'd be such a cool thing to think about what ways to celebrate. I was just thinking about like what we would eat on Indigenous, like if this yeah. becomes a really yeah. regular thing. Yeah. I mean, look at how long it took in Montana for women to get the vote, right? Mm-hmm. They just kept at it and at it and at it. So it may be a long haul, but it will happen. Yeah. It will happen. Yeah. yeah. And we have such, um, Um, interesting stories from other cultures um you know like I had said um in some of our planning meetings I had attended a Sons of Norway um event that I didn't even know that that group was in town but wait here in Bozeman here in Bozeman okay that's new to me and (laughs) yeah yeah Sons of Norway yeah and so um and it was Cheyenne Stevenson who had connected with her Mm -hmm. roots um that really like is what brought us there and and so uh, it was just really cool to see um like a caucasian person connect with their roots like kind of almost right in front of me because i had um known her for a while and she identified with i feel like the native uh, culture and philosophies a lot um and um but she, i think she always wondered about her own roots mm-hmm. and and i feel like indigenous people's day is is that because if you go back far enough even if you don't know your people or you don't feel identified with them um if you go back far enough you can see how what their relationship with the land was mm-hmm. because we all somehow depend on the land to survive mm-hmm. and and that's like what i'm always trying to get people to is our connection to the land mm-hmm. whether it's through indigenous people's day yellowstone revealed or bozeman creek Oh, Francesca, you have such a way of of tying it up um, in such a lovely way that makes sense to people that they can relate to. So that's a a real gift. I want to ask you, what else is on the horizon for Mountain Time Arts? I have been told that there's an event coming up with our friend Ben Pease, um, who's also interacted a lot with Extreme History. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, next up is going to be um, an event called Revitalize Relatives. 
um, a an a public artwork installation by Ben Pease, who's an Epsalaga Crow artist, and Jim Madden, who is an architect and founder of Mountain Time Arts here in town. Um, and they're uh, together have created this glass installation that will go um, over the bridge of City Hall. Um, along the railing and so when you view into the creek you'll be viewing through a glass panel and that glass panel will have um, the relatives that we would like to see revitalized in Bozeman Creek which were designed by the amazing Ben Pease. That sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. And so that will be it's it's a piece of artwork that um, the city it's our first permanent um, type of art installation. Um, I, I feel a little bit weird about permanent art installations just because I am so about not altering the landscapes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but we want to make statements and and things. Um, but so this is our first permanent one and it being in front of the city hall, I think is, um, really significant and will bring attention to water and the Bozeman Creek, um, here in town, and that will be on April twenty second, Earth Day. Uh, I can see, <laughs> I can see all the Hawthorne Elementary School students yeah. walking oh over and learning yeah. about that and the creek and Bozeman and all of these other things. I mean, that's such an opportunity for educators to use that public art in a mm-hmm. way to really expand what what kids can experience and think yeah. about in their own hometown. And they can do that on their own without yeah. having yeah. to set up anything yes. with Mountain Time exactly. Arts. And see, the, these are the things where I'm trying to make yeah. accessible Very. and regular to Bozeman. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and then we're going to have um, something else in Yellowstone this summer, which is, has been yet to be determined. Um, you know, I'm thinking we do want to do something with water climate. Um, and, but I don't know what that'll be yet. Um, we're still cooking that up with Yellowstone park. That's great. Well, I'm so glad to hear that there will be something, you know, Mm -hmm. cause there was such a, um, there was people so loved Yellowstone Revealed, and I think just to keep them that momentum going, and hopefully, like you said, the park will take this on themselves, just like the city of Bozeman will take on Indigenous Peoples Day mm-hmm. in in a in a way that they fund it mm-hmm. and keep it going. And that that would be my goal, you yeah. know, is to like start these really awesome things, and because it really shows for me like um, real change that people are taking seriously. Because when people ask me, um, you know, about diversity and inclusion, I'm also a board member for Montana Racial Equity um, and have a lot of interest in that field. Um, And so, you know, they're like, how do you know know if we're like actually serious about doing our places serious about doing it? Is it in your budget? There it is. (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's the bottom of the line question. Absolutely. It really is. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if that makes you uncomfortable, then I think that means you need to do some thinking. Yeah. And, um, and then also for me, I'm like, you should always have a hospitality in your budget too. <laughs> Cause these are like hard Absolutely. things yeah. that like, um, you know, are hard, hard to get people to donate money for or grants to pay for. Yes. But, the, and this is what I talk about in terms of like the system, 
doesn't often work for me when I'm trying to do something. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. because it doesn't exactly go the way the IRS likes things, you know? Right. And so um, when I'm dealing with an elder, for example, you know, you want to um, gift them properly, which would be like, you know, if they came to speak or something, um, you would just give them like a $20 bill, a pack of cigarettes, a braid of sweet grass, and maybe a, a piece of cloth or something. And, um, you know, the four things. Um, how do I write that into a grant? Yeah, you know, yeah. that's, you know, really hard. Yeah. I think you're going to be able to figure out how to change that system. So that's <laughs> a line item, budget line for elders that is in our tax code, okay? So I know you can do it, Francesca. I'm sure you had a lot of experience doing that at Montana State University because mm-hmm. you worked at Montana State and we worked together. Mm-hmm. Well, we worked in different departments, but we were both at Montana State University at the same mm-hmm. time. And I can't tell you how many how many conversations I had with MSU accounting about buying tobacco at the yeah. store downtown. Oh, yeah. They're like, we can't, t- we can't do this. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let me explain. And then I'm always like, I'm always asking questions like to Krista. I'm like, do I get cigarettes? Do I get loose tobacco? Do I get, is there a certain, like I, you know, a little bit of the work I had done with people and wanting to make appropriate gifts, you know, so it's been such a learning experience. Educational. And, we had to ed- educate. We found that the other graduate students wanted to know more about it because they wanted to talk to people and start to bring in this wider different types of traditional knowledge and and ask people but know to do it the right way and they were finding you know their professors had Mm -hmm. no idea what to tell them because of course when they went to school nobody was doing that Mm -hmm. so it's been I feel like I'm seeing the change which is really wonderful you know all that impact is it's happening and it's been a really fun experience to be uh, in a position to push that change yeah. and where some things are I, I kind of look for things that are just right on that edge if they just take that little push you know they'll go right into the next phase yeah. and and so that's where I've been focusing my energies and my battles um, <laughs> but you know with Mountain Time Arts I do want to say that we're not all about indigenous projects um, or anything like that. I do want to bring indigenous presence. It's just that there's been such a lack of it. (laughs) It feels like a flood of it now. Um, But if you step back and take a look at the bigger picture, it's actually very little and not enough. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, and Mountain Time Arts, I'm I'm really interested in that um, connection to uh, our farmers and ranchers, rural Montana, um, because we all have a connection to the land, you know, that might look a little different, but I think, you know, um, the land and the environment are something that we all have to live within. And, you know, how can we all get on the same page when our politics are so bitterly divided? Um, And I think it's by just getting real about what's real to us. You know, it's important. We all need water. Right. You know, we all need good food. Um, and so I and we think, all need respect. You know? Yeah, I mean, we, you need some dignity and community in your life too, mm-hmm. and so you have to give it in, in order to receive it. Mm-hmm. Um, Francesca, it's been absolutely amazing talking with you today, and there's so much more we want to discuss. Um, I, I see at least two or three podcasts yes. in our future, <laughs> but for today we've run out of time. So again, I want to thank you and just tell people where they can find Mountain Time Arts. Um, in terms of a website or social media in case they want to follow along with your programming and events? 
mountaintimearts.org. Mountaintimearts.org is our website, Great. and um, we are on social media, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, check us out. Uh, we yeah. have a lot of cool photos and a lot yeah. of good content on there. Um, and watch for our upcoming documentary, which we're actually going to be submitting to film festivals Wonderful. and all kinds of things. Okay, I think you need an Indigenous so People Day um, recipe book to come <laughs> out. I'm going to put that on your list. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds oh, that really does good. Sound good. We need to work with like Can Miller on that or something. Yeah, oh my right. gosh, she's awesome. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's so great. Well, I just want to say, Francesca, how important the work you're doing in the community really is in the community of Bozeman, but also the, the wider community, uh, the community of Montana, but also the nation. And, you know, now those people from Slovakia have seen a Crow teepee or, or whatever <laughs> indigenous nation, you know, they've it was seen a Crow teepee. Was yeah. it? I thought it was. Mm-hmm. So they have seen that teepee. So you're making inroads internationally. So um, with Yellowstone Revealed, but also with everything else you're doing. So congratulations mm-hmm. to you and your small team. Thank you. And we are all totally donation-based, so if you like what you see, um, you know, as you can see, I like to do really awesome things, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the more money we can raise, the cooler things we can do. Yeah, Money goes to a great cause. Um, All right, we'll have a big donate button under our... podcast for you so thank you Francesca and thanks to all of our listeners out there for joining us today if you love this podcast please tell a friend and make sure to subscribe so that it shows up in your podcast feed each week and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify but only if you liked it thanks for listening today and we hope you can join us again to find out more about the the dirt dirt on the the past. past A big thank you also to our editor and sound guru, Steve Durbin, and thanks to Lawson Alegria for mixing the music and to John Chadwell for help getting the podcast out in the world.